I feel like that worship service, I thought you sang really great, by the way. I thought that worship service was like us giving God breakfast in bed. Like you just stay, you just, you relax, you stay under the covers, we'll bring our worship to you, Lord. I don't know, it's a weird thing to think, I think, but if you come from a different kind of a church background, this is normal around here, so we'll apologize ahead of time. If you don't come from church at all, welcome to church. Uh, I'm Pastor Corey, this is Pastor Aaron. Um, this is normal if you don't come from church. Um, I feel like nobody got that. <laughs> Some people come here, they've never been to church before. So they're like, this is normal. I'm like, sort of. Um, but it's just, it, what, a, what a wonderful blessing it is to be able to bring God our praises. Uh, thank you, worship team, for rolling with everything in the last minute. Every, they, we changed some stuff, and so they're just great. Um, so I do want to say uh, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, you know, here's something I was thinking about. Is it, It's a weird thought, but when you're small, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but when you're small and you're out with... Uh, you're all with dad. A lot of people from the knees down look like dad. Right? I don't know if you ever like sidled up to a perfect stranger and were like, dad. And they're like, and then you look up and realize, um, my sermon title today is, is uh, not my dad. There are some things out there that aren't your dad. And I'm going to, I think if you came in confused this morning about something, I think you're going to walk out free. Because God, our Heavenly Father, is going to simplify something in your life, give you courage and give you strength. And so just um, just lean over to the person beside you and just whisper, you're not my dad. All right. You're not my dad. You're not the boss of me. Now lean over to the other person and say, have you been working out? You look good. I, I see it. I get it. All right. Thanks, um, thanks Sean. Did you notice that my shirt glows in the dark? I noticed it when I walked in and somebody said, your shirt glows in the dark. So this is pretty cool. And I'm, I'm wearing my Father's Day present. These old things, these, these Jordan ones. Um, I got another Father's Day present this morning. Did, did, you, put, did you make a slide for me? So Pastor Aaron gave me, a, gave me a, a, this really cool jacket, and she's like, turn over, look at the back, look at the back. And so here's the back of it. Can we just throw that up there? Well, now you might notice, now, if you're, if you're not in the occult, um, you may not know what these symbols are, but that's the goat's head. That's a symbol for the devil, 666, and the upside-down pentagram. It's got them all. And so I'm like, baby, I mean, every now and again, somebody calls us a cult. And I'm like, if I wore that, we're definitely a cult now. So she's like, I didn't notice. I'm like, how do you not notice the trifecta of... So you could take that off the screen. I don't know if we defiled our LED wall there or not. But also, I don't think that the devil is stronger than God. So relax, everybody. But um, anyways, I thought that was an interesting choice. Uh, so yeah, she's going to take it back. Um... I didn't notice it. I'm like, that's like literally like it's all that there is out there. So whatever. I appreciate it. I guess it's, it's where your heart is. So, um, also somebody tell my dad that I have a card for him in the car, but I forgot about it cause I was working for Jesus this morning. So, um, all right. Uh, there's vacation Bible schools coming up and guys, if, if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, registered your kids yet. And you, uh, we need, look, um, we have very limited space. We have space for 70 kids, and we haven't even advertised yet. Like, not 70 kids total, 70 more kids. 
we're going to try to stretch that as much as we can. Like, believe us, we'll do the best we can. Um, the more people that volunteer to help there, if you're not doing anything July something to something, just look at QR code. Um, just please uh, get involved because we don't want to turn any kids away. It's going to be just a powerful time. A lot of kids get um, give their lives to Jesus at times like that. A lot of families start coming to church because their kids come to something like that. So, so sign your kids up today on the QR code right now. That's totally fine. Sign up your neighbor's kids right now and be like, I paid for you to get there because I don't want you to miss it. It's like 25 bucks for four days or something. It's ridiculous. If anybody is struggling with that, the church will pay for it too. We don't want anybody to miss it. However, we are very limited in space. So. Um, which I guess is a nice problem to have, but we also love kids. So there's a few things coming up that we'd love for you to get involved in. We want to always show us, uh, support for our city. There's the parade, so we have a float in there. Um, there's, uh, we're going to be serving hot dogs. Uh, there's like 30,000 people come out to the Airdrie Parade. So you want to advertise your church, that's a great place to do that. And um, the city's always looking uh, to us to help them as well uh, host events. So there's also a pig roast that weekend. Uh, and if you're a vegetarian... There'll be other vegetarian food there as well. So we'd love for you to come. That's out of the Petka's farm. On that weekend uh, after church, uh, there's a stampede breakfast the next Sunday after church. And we had like eight or 900 people out of the last one. This one is going to be busy. So there's lots of ways to get involved. Let's really be reaching into the city uh, this summer. So, All right, let me get into my sermon. Part of a shelter series. And, and talking about fathers today, I think fathers are to provide... Um, uh, shelter. Fathers are to do a lot of things. I'm going to kind of break it down like this. Your, your relationship with your dad, now it's going to, just give me a sec, is the single greatest factor in how you relate to God. It's the single greatest relationship, in my opinion, of how you relate to God, your heavenly father. So Father's Day lands on some people in tough areas, and I, we understand that. Um, somebody may have lost a father. If, you, if you've lost your father and you're grieving today, better to grieve with friends. And uh, we love you. We're here with you. If you need prayer, if you need to take communion after, we would love to help you with that. But don't be alone today. Don't suffer in silence. We love you. Um, you know, somebody else's dad just wasn't there. Somebody else's dad did the best he could, but it wasn't great. Somebody else's dad did the worst he did, and that wasn't great either. And uh, what I want to say to you today is that you're not done being fathered. So your dad might not be with us anymore, or maybe he's not with you, and that's a good thing for you, but you're not done being fathered. I want everybody to, like, adopt a spiritual dad before they get out of the building, actually. And so there's something uh, that's going to be uh, incredible for you in this service. I think you're going to look back to this day. Somebody's going to look back to this day as a game-changing day uh, in their lives. So, um, you know, my dad did a pretty good job of reflecting God. My dad's a, a good man. He's a solid man. He thinks he's funny, like every dad. Um, but, you know, my dad's main job, my main job as a father is to take my role as a father in the lives of my daughters and transfer that to God, their heavenly father. I'm like the limited edition of that, like extremely limited. But when we can transfer that a relationship to God, their heavenly father, who will always be there for them, who has all power, who knows all, whose heart is great, who can fix anything, who can do anything, that's really our job as fathers. And so... um. I'm going to um, just, can we do this? I'm just feeling this. Take the biggest thing that you're concerned about in your life and put it in the box and then just label the box, relax, it'll work out. Because that's one of the things that my dad said a lot, relax, boy. He said it to my mom all the time, relax, Beth. 
Relax, it'll work out. Why? Because God is still on the throne. Relax, put it in the box because God is going to show you uh, how he wants to handle that. So um, can I go through like 10 things my dad taught me? The first thing dad taught me was not to complain. This is a good thing. I feel like we have generations that could uh, hear this. My dad's attitude about complaining was like, look, you're taking all the energy you could spend fixing it, complaining about it. No. I'll go to a church down the street if you make me. You can complain about it or you can do something about it, but you can't do both. And so that was just something good that my dad uh, taught me, you know, and, and, you know, so one time we were in Kenya when I was a young man and uh, we went with my mom and dad and another couple from their church. And uh, I decided because I'm me that uh, I worked outside in the summers. I thought, well, you know, you can't even hardly get sunburned here. So I'm not going to put sunscreen on in Kenya. So our last day there, we were by a pool. It's right on the equator. If anybody's traveled to places like that. So I didn't put any sun, sunscreen on my stomach, except for I did write two letters on my stomach in sunscreen as a joke. And the letters were P and K, which stands for pastor's kid, which was super funny in the moment. But that night when my stomach was purple, um, and the next day as we drove to Nairobi in screaming hot weather in a screaming hot car, while I was sitting there holding my shirt out like this, I peeled three times. You could see it eight months later as a testimony to not thinking something through. And I remember my dad looking back at me from the front seat in this back of this car, just like this the whole time kind of like smiling at me like, boy, I don't know how somebody like me could raise somebody as dumb as you. But you know what? He was quite amused by that too, you know? But you know what? What he wouldn't have accepted is me sitting back there complaining about it. So I just sat there kind of with a grin on my face like, it's a long ride. My dad taught me not to complain. The second thing my dad taught me, and he taught me so many things. Um, my dad was a, not a man of uh, many words, but when he spoke, uh, you listened. So... Um, my dad taught me uh, a principle that I've carried through in my life about conditional acceptance, but unconditional love. So if you don't understand that, um, my dad, you know, my dad would love me no matter what I did. He loves idiots. You know, he would because I'm his son and, and we had a relationship before I did the dumb thing, right? So he loves me unconditionally, but he only accepted certain types of behavior. And so now what we have in society is we flip that. And what we're saying is accept me unconditionally. But as soon as you accept somebody unconditionally and all their bad behavior, if, isn't it, if you accept bad behavior, doesn't, make, doesn't that make you a bad person? If you accept sin. So we go to God our Father and we're like, hey, we want to do whatever we want. And God's like, if I accept that, that makes me sinful too. And I'm not sinful. God is like, I'm pure and I'm holy and I'm like, and I have a better plan for you. And this is the bar, not what you're doing. And so as soon as acceptance becomes unconditional, love becomes conditional. And some of you grew up in that home where love and hate were used to manipulate you. And so God wants to break something in your life today. Keep that in mind when you're raising your kids. Be like, no, I care about you. I, I love you just the way you are. But I'm like Jesus, man. Like, I love you too much to leave you that way. And so let's start calling the best behaviors out of people. I mean, there was always forgiveness and acceptance with my dad, but he never let you get off the hook with just acting like an idiot. And so that's probably a good thing. Um, number three, my dad taught me to look out for the little guy. And by the little guy, I mean my brother Ryan. 
Now, Ryan has gotten some bad press from this pulpit <laughs> from time to time. I mean, mom and dad have the perfect child, and then boom. Uh, actually, Ryan was kind of more the perfect child, which is why I'm super critical of him. Uh, I love my brother Ryan. He's pretty funny. But I remember uh, I always make fun of him because that's what brothers do. But I remember also my dad teaching me to protect him. And uh, we used to have a paper route. Did anybody ever have a paper route? Do you guys even know what paper is, the younger people? You did? I figure you're too young to have a paper route. Every day, man, this paper shows up at the door. And you know what? It's not magic. It was somebody like me riding my bike in the middle of the winter, you know. And one day it was minus 30-something. It was very cold. My brother and I had, had, he had about a third of the paper route. I had about two-thirds of the paper route. We used to earn the grand total of $1 a day, everybody, living the high life doing this. And dad's like, it would be good for you to do this um, for free, but I guess they're going to give you money. My dad was all about uh, learning character by suffering. So, so we were doing this, and it was super cold one day. And my dad says to me, like, he's like, Corey, uh, it's too cold for your brother to go out today. And so I went out. I did my brother's part. My dad actually did my part. Because uh, my dad would never ask me to do something that he wouldn't do in that sense of like, he, he'd be the first one out there, but you're still going to have to help protect your brother. And uh, that was the day that, um, that I, I got frostbite on my hands that stayed with me probably for about two decades. I got home that night uh, after uh, school and my hands were bleeding down the backs of them and stuff like that. But you know what? Here's the thing. When you have a good dad, you don't regret the sacrifice to protect the little guy because that's what your job is, you know. And so um, some of the things that I learned from dad, some of your dads didn't protect you, but I'm saying, God, your heavenly father and the spiritual dads in this house will always protect you. But we're always going to speak the truth to you, too. My dad, uh, my dad's compliments weren't lies. Meaning if you wanted to hear well done, you had to do something well. And now there's too many free compliments and too many cheap compliments. And uh, don't lie to your kids. If they didn't do a good job, don't tell them that they did a good job. That makes you a bad person. So what you can do is help them do a better job. But I'll tell you, when my dad said, well, you know, hey, good job, um, it was powerful. It's powerful, those, those words in my life. My dad taught me that uh, my, my dad's compliments weren't lies. I thought that was good. One time I washed my grandma's car. She came off the farm. I don't think she'd ever washed it. I think she'd been bathing it in mud. And she came to my house, and, and, uh, and dad's like, hey, so he gives us a hose and a sponge, like no soap, no pressure washer, and he's like, clean the car. And it probably looked worse after we were done. We were hour out there scrubbing away, and it was terrible. And my dad's like, that's the worst car wash I've ever seen. And uh, those words stuck with me. You know, in my defense, I'm like, well, you could pay like $3 and go downtown. Um, but he wanted us to do it. And we did a really crappy job. But I remember, like, he's not going to tell you you did a good job if you didn't do a good job. And uh, you need to earn compliments, I think. I think there's too many compliments out there for doing nothing. And I don't think that that's what people are looking for. So um, my dad taught me, number five, that mistakes are okay, but you got to fix the window. <laughs> mistakes are okay, but why were you shooting the BB gun out there? Mistakes are okay. So he wouldn't lose his mind over mistakes as long as you learn something. Now, if you did the same mistake twice, that's a problem. Um, but, you know, the first one, there'd be forgiveness for. Uh, you, you know, you may have to pay for it. One time my grandma called me because we were just out at the farm. And she says, um, hey, uh, your boys were out here with the BB gun the other day. Did they shoot up your Uncle Richard's car? And uh, Dad asked me, and I'm like, no. I'm like, that's a shooting car. I'm like, that's what it's there for. So we shot. He had an old Volvo out there, and I've, we shot all the windows out of it. Um, 
seemed like the thing to do. I thought it was just, I'm like, this is, it's a shooting car. And so I told her, I'm like, no, no. We. My grandma called one time and she's like, I, she's like, Beth, your boys wouldn't have, have driven through the, the, the neighbor's crop with that garden tractor of mine, would they? And so mom's like, no, my, my mom and dad are farm kids, right? So like, no, oh my goodness, no, they wouldn't have. And they asked us and I'm like, no, it wasn't the crops. It was a, it was a bunch of weeds. <laughs> and we had like a whole maze going on through there. And we were busy. I mean, we, we get a lot of work done in a short amount of time. But you know what? I don't remember being overly punished for mistakes that were kind of <laughs> ignorant mistakes. And we did a lot of that. Um, my dad, number six, my dad hated drama. Here's what I want to say about some of y'all. If you can't explain it to somebody like my dad, it might not actually be an issue. And maybe you should just go back to work. I don't know, like, sorry to hurt your feelings, but I remember thinking sometimes trying to explain something to my dad that I'm like, I feel like this isn't even really a thing maybe because I don't think he'd get it. And then I got over it too and went back to work. My dad hates drama. This, uh, this church, maybe if you come from a church background, we hate church drama around here. We make fun of church people, including ourselves, all the time because we think it's hilarious. But we don't love church drama. We think church drama keeps people out. We're trying to get people in. My dad taught me to be on time. So much so that all the clocks in our house were 15 minutes fast, and I didn't find out about it till grade 12. <laughs> That's how sharp I was. I mean, all the TV shows, I'm like, why are they ending at this weird, it's, always, it's such a weird time for the TV show to end. I'd come in halfway through and be like, grade 12. I finally realized my dad set all the clocks in the house 15 minutes fast, so we'd never possibly be late for anything. I'm like, you'd never be late for anything anyways. The whole point of a clock... It's not something you just made up. Like, I feel like it's like noon right now. He's like, it's not noon, it's 12.50. Just drive me crazy. My dad, uh, number eight, he, he told me this one time. He said, not everybody's going to love you. Settle for respect, but don't settle for less. I remember my relationships like, okay, not everybody's going to love you. Not everybody's going to understand you and get you. Settle for respect, but if they won't do that, find a new friend. Hang out with different people. My dad taught me that he couldn't be bullied. I've said this before. I'd love some of you modern dads. I'd have loved to be a kid in your home. I'd have run that place. But my dad, ooh, when he said something, that was it. When he finally put his foot down, he's not changing his mind because you're not, he's going to do what's right by you, whether you liked it or not. So help you God. Um, but I appreciate that about that. You know, that it taught me about God. You can't bully God into doing anything. You can't change his mind. How can you change the mind of somebody who's holy and always right? Uh, not that my dad was those things, but when he made a, a, a rule in the house about respecting your mother and how do you talk to her, you're not going to change his mind about that because you didn't like it. No, you could change. Or you can go move to Mexico or move in with the neighbors who thinks that's cool. Or, but if you want to eat and live indoors, like we talk a certain way around here. We treat each other a certain way. We never say the word hate. We never say the word divorce. You know who says the word hate the most now? People who hate the most now? Because people who love don't say the word hate. You know who, who accuses people of manipulation? Or manipulators. Because mani people who don't manipulate don't use the word manipulate. It's just a... It's a that's for free. 
My, my dad taught me about sacrifice and forgiveness and about the, you don't walk into heaven any old way you want to. There's an adoption and this is how it works. And my dad taught me that. You can't bully God into anything. And that's good because any God you could bully can't save you. Now, my dad, number 10, my dad was not a victim. Are you enjoying this, by the way? My dad was not a victim. I asked him one time because um, his life was hard. His dad was sick. He was the oldest boy. By the time he was 14, he was, um, you know, the main player on the farm. He had uh, eight brothers and sisters. And uh, this is back in the day when if you didn't get the crop in, you know, you starved. And I asked my dad by the time he was 14, he was working with men. And uh, I asked him, like, did you, did you ever feel like you missed your childhood because of all the work that you had to do on the farm? And um, it's not like his dad wasn't willing. His dad would just be so sick sometimes that he would go into town and then get some feed and come back and literally fall out of a truck and crawl into the house and just lie down. And he just lacked the physical strength. He was a very sickly man um, to do anything. And so, um, so I asked my dad one time, did you ever feel like you missed your childhood? You know what he said to me? He goes... Nah, he says, I like working. You're not a victim. Nah, I like it. You climbing a mountain right now? Well, that's what God made you for. This guy, like, I asked him one time, like, how hard was it for you to stop smoking? And he goes, it wasn't hard. I just quit. And my mom's like, it was very hard. <laughs> Dad's words uh, way more. I love my mom. My mom's sitting right here. But my dad's words way more. My mom's probably been disappointed with me every day of my life. But my dad, I remember like two or three times, I remember it, when he was disappointed with me. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been, by the way. I'm like, oh, that's totally legit. But uh, I remember him saying it because dad's words way more. And um, here's what I want to say to somebody that God is offering you healing today. That when, if a dad said it, just lean in here. If a dad said it to you, you're stupid. If a dad said it to you, you're never going to amount to anything. If a dad said it, nobody else can unsay it but a dad. Now catch that. Your husband can't fix you. Your wife can't give you enough compliments. If your dad didn't believe in you and said it, you need a spiritual dad to unsay it. You need a spiritual dad who's going to look you in the eye and be like, you're enough. You'll be fine. You're enough for this. I believe in you. I see you. Here's what God thinks about you. Here's what God says about you. That was worth the price of admission. Pass the offering plates. <laughs> yeah, okay. We don't have offering plates. I thought that was funny. I just thought that up. <laughs> Identity in my experience with people, identity, I think this is true, comes from the fathers. Primarily, if there's one person on earth that I, your identity comes through, when I look at people who struggle with their identity the most, it is people who didn't have a good relationship with a good dad or a godly dad. So identity, if identity comes from the fathers, and here's what I need to say about this, the word identity is being tossed around so much right now. Every 10 years, it changes to what we identify ourselves as. You know, Now it's all about sexuality and gender. Here's, here's the other thing about why are we identifying ourselves by the world's standards at all in anything? Because in God's sight, he's like, there's no skin color. There's no short, tall, English, 
There's no anything. Identify as sons and daughters of your father in heaven. Identify with something that's outside of this world. Why are you identifying with things that change and move? And no. But here's, here's why it's so weird right now with the message in schools that our kids, my kids are like hearing because they're ta- hearing about identity, identity, identity. Listen, you ready? Anybody telling you your identity is trying to be your dad, that's why it feels so weird and invasive. That's why it feels weird. Come on. Say, you're not my dad. You're not my dad. He's my dad. He's the only one who gets to tell me what I was made for. He's the only one who gets to tell me how I'm supposed to be. You don't get to do that. You're not my dad. When I hear things, I feel weird about it, and I have a great dad, and I have a great relationship with God, my heavenly father, and I feel weird. Why? Because somebody's trying to be my dad. From the knees down, you seem nice, but up there, things are weird. You're not my dad. Not the boss of me. It's beautiful when God tells you who you are. It's beautiful. You'll know it. When, God fi- when you finally hear from God, like, what do you, relax. That's not what I made you for. Relax. You're going to be okay. Relax. You can do this. If it was just another crazy person telling you about your identity, you wouldn't care. You just put them in the crazy people box. But because it's about the word identity, it's this weird little overreaching thing that's reaching into your soul to like mess you up. It's the devil trying to like be your dad. <sighs> Look, Adam and Eve were like, hey, Heavenly Father, you're great. All this is amazing. But uh, there's this other weird drunk dad over here that we're going to adopt called the devil. And he lets us stay up late and smoke cigarettes. So we're going to go live with him. And we're going to raise our kids in his house. This is the redemptive work of the church and the world today is like, be adopted back into God's family. He is the good God. He is the all-powerful God. Let's redeem the earth one person at a time. Stop trying to find your identity. Can I say this? Anybody watching online? Stop trying to find your identity. Find your father and you find your identity. That's it. Find your father. That's it. Now, there have been times in my life that I think a lot of people, just the the pain and the pressure, probably wouldn't have lived through or lived through with a mind that works and a heart that's all messed up. And I want to say to you that God's promise that that he worked in my heart, I think he would do the same for somebody here, is that I never woke up or never had one moment of my life where I didn't know who I was in Jesus and that I mattered. And if, if you can't say that, the work of God is not done in your life and you need to get prayed for after the service because God wants to start a work. I want you to wake up free. You know, look, I love venue guys, but every now and again, one of my venue guys will they'll just get a little weird and just start getting weird and insecure about something. And it took me years to figure out Well, it's their relationship with their dad and how it translated with God. They wake up some days, they don't know who they are. So they freak out and try to control things or try to buy things or try to get mad at pastor about. And finally, I realized it's their dad. That's what they're missing. They think I'm going to reject them because their dad did. They think God's going to reject them. They think their spouse is going to reject them. And I'm like, if this is happening to grown men, well, God wants to fix grown men too. I want you to adopt a physical, spiritual dad before you leave here today. Look, you can adopt my dad if you want. I'm good. I've had enough of my dad. I'm his pastor now. It's amazing. He does whatever I tell him. Finally, like every boy's dream, dad doing what I want. 
I know what he thinks about me. I know what God thinks about me. I'm good. Borrow my dad. Call my dad when you get worked up about something. He's there. He'll be, there's good godly men in the house. Maybe, maybe five years older than you, but you just need that father, spiritual figure who can tell you what God says about you. You know, um, I'm going to get into the scripture right now, but you can't nag the best out of men. Can I say, this is why men's breakfast is so important and why the men in, in your man's small group or your little man's small group or kids' group or youth group are so important because we think it takes a better man to make a better man. Now, oh, no, I know what they should know. So here's what, what happens when a woman tries to tell me how to be a better man. This is how my brain goes. It goes into the box of, but you're not a man at all. And you're going to tell me, I mean, unless you want us to lecture you about childbirth and what would help. <laughs> oh, the outrage. Yeah, well, maybe we feel that way when you're like nagging us to be better men. Why don't you, you know what would be better to do? Why don't you help us by serving us, by being like, hey, I'll take this off your plate. Why don't you go hang out with some of the venue guys? I feel like you need some guy time. I feel like you need some, some of the guys to, be, to call you out and to call who you are to a better place. I think you need that. I think you need some time to hang out with the pastor. Why don't you go talk to the pastor? Here, here's, here, what? Can I just say it? Here, let me mow the grass for you so that you can talk to some of our kids because they've forgotten who they are. You know, Joey, he's forgotten who he is. That's why he's acting up at school. He's, can you just spend like a half an hour with him and just tell him who he is? He needs to hear it from dad because if he hears it from dad, he's not going to care about what Jimmy thinks at school. He's not going to care about what his school, if he hears it from dad, he's like, I got it. I got it. When my daughters date somebody, I don't want, you know, and they're like, oh, you're a beautiful girl. And I want my daughters to be like, yeah, I know. I know. I've been told every day that I'm beautiful by my dad. I don't need a dad. I, I know I'm beautiful. Why did you get to work late yesterday? Inside every man is a boy the devil tried to hurt. Your words can remind him of that or they can call him to greatness. What do you, what do you want to do with your words? You want to remind him of his old dad or you want to remind him of his new dad and what he, what he thinks that he could do with his life? Jesus came home. Jesus had a home. And he came home. This is, this is uh, unusual. It says, as usual... A crowd gathered, right? Jesus, he's got to help people. He's called to help and protect people. So many making demands on him. Watch that. Making demands on him. So Jesus comes home, called by God, a son of God, comes home, and they, many are making demands on him. He didn't even have time to eat. That's a problem if you're a guy, by the way. He didn't even have time to eat. Feeding us solves most problems. I don't know if you know this. Like, I feel like my husband, something is out of sync. Feed him. We're not complicated. You're welcome. Like, try it first. It's super easy. Um, his friends heard what was going on. Let me actually get to the other translation of this, which is a more accurate one. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. So he walks home to the place where, what, what is your home like? For the boys and men in your life. He walks home and he's supposed to walk. He, he's in his hometown now and everybody's coming to him because they need what God gave 
him for them. They need him, so they're around him, and he's busy. He doesn't even have time to eat anything right now. And he walks into an intervention. He walks into an intervention, and his own family is like, you're getting too big for your boots. You're starting to think that you're important. They didn't see the call of God on the Son of God. They forgot that he wasn't their son. He was God's son. And they started doing this like, hey, we're going to take you away from this because you're getting too proud. He's like, I'm helping people. I'm doing what God put me on this earth to do. And uh, listen, there wasn't enough time to eat. Why? Were they degraded just to make him a sandwich? And to take care of the crowds for 10 minutes so they can have a minute to himself? So he can go back to work? I mean, somebody didn't get healed because they tried an intervention on him, on Jesus. There's something wrong. Like, is it demeaning to help somebody with a small thing? Is it demeaning to you to help somebody come into their destiny and somebody... The religious scholars from Jerusalem came down spreading rumors that he was working black magic. All church people. What is wrong with church people? Using devil tricks to impress them with spiritual power. You know, the only people that ever call venue a cult, it happens about once a year, are Christians. What is wrong? Because everybody else knows what an actual cult is. Release the snakes. You know what I'm saying? If there's no snakes, it's not a cult. If if pastor only has one wife, it's not a cult. Relax. I'm not preaching out of the devil Bible. Sometimes people buy me gifts with the devil on them. I don't wear them. Jesus. (laughs) Things were said. We're not going to start pointing fingers. Look, I'm sorry, you're sorry, everybody's sorry. <laughs> I got contact. <laughs> Jesus confronted their slander with a story. Does it make sense to send a devil to catch a devil, to use Satan to get rid of Satan? Watch this. A constantly squabbling family disintegrates. If Satan were fighting Satan, there soon wouldn't be any Satan left. And then he says something that, that here that I'm going to show you that the devil's plan for men... Do you think it's possible in broad daylight to enter the house of an awake, able-bodied man and walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first? Tie him up, though, and you can clean him out. You're like, what does this have to do with Father's Day? I'm going to show you. Can you put that scripture back up for me, please? Would you mind? There's some keys in here. If the, if the devil can get dad... Okay. If a man comes to church who has a family, 91% of the time his family follows him. If anybody else in the family, it's like under 20%, way under 20%. Okay. That's why venue has to be a church that men love to go to, by the way. That's why it's got to be challenging and fun. That's why you got to get over yourself. Y'all women are so spiritual. We know that you would meet with Jesus under a tree in the middle of winter. We know it. But we key our songs so that your husbands and your boys can sing them. Why? Because if men get onto the gospel. But the devil's been at like tearing men down because if he gets the men out, then he gets everybody else too. If he can unprotect society and then... This is the devil's plan, but this is also God's plan in reverse. Watch. Jesus says, Jesus is saying, this is what I did to the devil. But this is what the devil, the devil looks at this and he's like, oh, that's what I want to do to men. Do you think it's possible in broad daylight? So right there, broad daylight, broad daylight. The devil wants to turn the lights off from men. Man, I'm calling you out. Turn the lights on in your home. Turn the lights on. Get accountable. 
Turn the lights on. No more secrets. No more sin. To enter the house of an awake, or the devil wants to put you to sleep. He wants to surround you with people that discourage you so that you fall asleep in your faith. Wake up. We can't win this war without you. Wake up. Let's go. Able-bodied man. The devil wants to wake you weak. He wants to tell you. I hear this message all the time. Like, we don't need men. We don't need men. No? I think we need everybody who can swing a sword. I, I think we need it. You don't, I think God called sons to do certain things. I think we need men. I think we need women. I think we need everybody who can swing a sword. And, and can't walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first. Addictions and sin. Let's get free. There's freedom in the house for somebody who needs to get prayed for today. Tie him up though and you can clean him out. I am hoping that something catches inside of you Everybody here, that we're like, hey, when the devil is reminding us of our past, that we remind him of his future, and our future is beating him at his own game. That this is our job to do. And the devil tricked us, and he did this on us. But every time, here's what I need from you. Everybody who has any men in their life or young men, when the devil reminds him of his past, Reminds him of his old dad. Remind him of his new dad. And remind him what God said about him. Now, men. I want you teaching venue kids. I want you teaching venue kids how to stand up and fight. How to be different in this world. I want you on this stage. I want you to be the first point of contact in the parking lot that people can see. Hey, there's men out there. There's good men out there that love Jesus. I want to see you out in the city, in the community. I want you to finance the war for the souls of our people and the souls of this. I want you to stand up and fight. I want you to speak when you, too many good men are being silent right now. I want you to speak up. God is not done with what he started. And we're going to sing a song called Fear is Not My Future. And I want you to sing this song in faith. You might be in great fear, anybody in your life right now. You might be, this might have landed on you in a funny place and you know you need some healing right now. But we're going to sing this song and it's going to be a declaration of faith that fear is not my future. But you, Jesus, are. As we come close to Jesus, as we draw near to Jesus, and God puts something in your heart, would you go get prayed for after? With our prayer team on the side, take a friend with you. It's not weird. It's just love. It's just God speaking to his sons and his daughters of their worth and who he thinks they are.